is back, and we had a great opening week. We did. It is, I mean, regardless of how we did an FPL, which I think we're both very happy with our performances, which mm-hmm. we'll get into. I think we're just so happy to have it back. You know, it's, yeah, dude, it's, it's awesome. really nice. It's just, it feels right to have it back, right? Yeah, no, dude, it, it just feels like, it feels like we're back home, you know? It does, yeah. And I'm sure you all are all feeling the exact same way. Um, it's it's an exciting time for sure. Um, but Paul, do you want to kind of dive into, let's do a brief overview of kind of how our teams performed this week. Okay, so guys, I had a great opening week in FPL. I ended up on 91 points. Not sure what that final rank's going to be. It's telling me 121K and maybe higher or lower. We'll see depending on how the final day played out on Monday. But I got... Um, I made the good decision on like last year of captaining Holland. Good call. First weekend he delivered just like he did for a lot of other people. Learned that lesson. (laughs) Yeah. And then my midfield actually had a lot of contributions spread out. There was Bowen on nine points, Sokka on 10, Eze on three, Madison on nine, and Rashford on three, which I also point out. I would do have Joe Joe Pedro up top, which that that penalty, which honestly he could have been on a lot more points. He He easily could have, and if he would have converted that first chance, he for sure would have been on three bonus. Yeah, he had some really good chances, so that's exciting to see from his perspective. And then I had a Stupian in the back, who got seven points without a clean sheet, which he easily could have had a clean sheet. And same for Ben White, he should have had a clean sheet too. And then we had Chilwell, who honestly too like. He could have had a lot more points. He only had seven this week, and it seemed like he really could have had a massive week. I mean, he had that one goal called off. Like, it's just a great week for him, and then Onana with nine, so. Something that we'll dive into a little bit more that I want to look at whenever we're doing more of, like, our data analysis section on this podcast is I really think that Chilwell was great, but there might be another Chelsea asset that's being overlooked. So we'll dive into that a little bit more later on, a little bit of a, a little teaser. foreshadowing. A little teaser there for you all. Yeah, um, but your week that, week. Was, that was a good week for you, Paul. Honestly, I think that's, yeah. you, you know, you can't ask for anything more than, you know, 91 points first week. Your team's set up in an excellent way, um, you know, for the upcoming fixtures. So definitely bravo to you. That That's a great first week. Good yeah, way to start out. Feel good about it. Um, so me, I'm very happy with how my week went as well. I'm on 76 points. Um, coming into this last day, I knew that there was going to be some anxiety and, you know, I wasn't quite sure how it was going to shake out because I mean, I just have Rashford out of United assets. So not having Onana angle really hurt, especially with Pickford losing his clean sheet and kind of late on there against Fulham. Really frustrating, um, to see him lose that clean sheet. But, um, so I had Pickford in goal, two pointer there. On my back line, I had Gabriel, Chilwell, and Estupinon. Missed out on the Gabriel news. That really hurts. Um, I, I'm going to hold on to him. I don't see any reason to transfer him out. I think that's well, a bit reactionary. Unless he goes to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> He's not going to Saudi Arabia, I don't think. Um, sure. But my concern here, right, um, just the leaks, right? Like it, it just seems so unfair to me that a content creator leaks us five minutes before the deadline, specific players get it on the news, and then they have a massive massive, massive advantage over the other millions of players that have no idea well, what well, happened. How would you fix that then? I think it's an easy solution, right? You make it to where the deadline locks after team sheets come out. It's an easy fix because you have these positions where people who work for their club or people who work for broadcasting like Sky Sports. How would you even do that, though? 
it's so easy. You just pick your team 30 minutes before the game kicks off after the clean, after the team sheets come out. Right. And then this way you don't have an issue with leaks, all of these frustrating. What do you do whenever, I mean, Arsenal played Saturday morning, you can't lock that, that morning. No, you you would lock it it at the first one, but still, but I mean, that's, that's impossible though. Cause I mean, like you can't lock it. Yes, you can. You can't lock it Saturday morning. Like, what about fr- what about the game on Friday? Yeah, you lock it on that Friday before. But at least at that point, and say we have Man City's team sheet and Burnley's that we know exactly what to expect. Lock the deadline there, or individually. I mean, what you could do is just lock specific teams after their match occurs, and then in that situation, you can transfer other players in. If the situation with Gabriel I comes up, I completely disagree. I think that's it's just ridiculous, right? It's it's an or maybe or maybe you should just pay more attention. No, that's that's insane. Why should I be required to be on Twitter five minutes before the deadline in order? Because we to live in that. the age of information and technology. Like that's I mean, ridiculous. What, like, what you, no, I mean that dude, that's happen. it's part of it though. I mean, what that's do you, not how the game was intended to be played, right? It's not. You should be picking the best players, and you know, having this insider information where you can go and. That's not the real world. Sorry. That's ridiculous. It's not That's the real ridiculous. world. Like I don't I completely disagree with that, but oh well. You you don't have a good solution though. I no. do. You just no. lock the teams. No. It, it doesn't it leaked a day before the match. Yeah, but that's still ridiculous, right? It should still be locking after the team sheets come out. I will die on this hill. It's fine. We'll move on from let's go to, let me finish out my team. Whatever. Um so in my like I said my back line was Gabriel, Chilwell and Estupinon. So that's a combined 15 points. The Gabriel sub on is a re- kind of really hurt my week. Um he would have been subbing off. I would have had Watkins coming in. Would have been very preferable in that situation. Um but in my midfield I had Rashford, Foden, Jota, Saka and March. I only had returns from Saka and March, Marsh, but I also had one clean sheet point from Foden and Rashford each. So not exactly what I'm looking for. It, you know, it could have been a lot better of a week for me, honestly. Yeah. It was um, a good week, though. It was yeah, a good week. I, I like the positions that my players were in, and ultimately that's what matters. And with the way I've set up my team, I have Watkins on the bench, so I can bring him in. Um, and kind of, you know, replace whichever midfielder I feel like is not going to be performing the best based upon, you know, weekly fixtures. Um, and then up top, I had Holland and Xiao Pedro. So Holland, of course, you know, <laughs> in returns an incredible amount with the minimal amount of touches he does. So, you know, no, a normal Holland performance. Yeah. And then Xiao Pedro um, gets the pin, converts it. Should have had more points, but honestly, I'll take what I get. I'm very happy. With it's how a good. It's a good little um, precursor of um, Pedro at Brighton. Yeah, I think so. I think I mean, it he, kind of validates our choice. You know? He looked very lively. Um, the question is going to be rotation, right? Is it going to yeah. be Wellbeck and Ferguson rotating, or is it going to be all three of them rotating? So who we, we're not really sure what to expect, but a good sign that he starts in game week one. I think you know we any owners out there of. Um, Jao Pedro will be really excited to see that. And then on my bench, I had Ollie Watkins, Udogi with Tottenham, Matt Turner, um, and um, Trusty from Sheffield United. So all in all, happy with my performance. You know, game week one, I mean, the main thing we're trying to do here is put ourselves in good positions to keep growing, keep getting those points. And really, ultimately, this is now whenever the season starts. Yeah, you know, yeah. because now also, we're making those tiny transfers, 
decide the tiny transfers that will end up being massive decisions um, and try and decide which players are you know, the best ones to ride with for the rest of the season. Yeah, I guess one of the main things to remember that this is also game week one. We have 37 weeks to go. There's going to be a lot of changes, a lot of injuries, a lot of dynamics to consider as the season develops. So just remember, be level-headed. If you had a bad game week one, it's easy to recover. If you had a great game week one, it's easy to fall from here too. So um, just maintain the course and make sure you have a plan as we move through the season. It's the best, best thing we can do. And it seems like a lot of kind of building off what Paul saying is play your own game out there, right? It, you know, there's so many different ways and techniques, strategies that you can put into this game. But if you're not having fun with it, then, you know, maybe being a data analysis person is not your kind of thing. Maybe you're more of an eye test person or vice versa. You never know. Um, but the main point I wanted to build on for, from Paul here is a lot of content creators are saying that you have to roll that transfer over to where you have two transfers for game week three. You don't really have to do that, right? If there's someone in your team that you want to get out and you feel like, you know, you trust and someone that would be in your team for a while, go ahead and make that transfer. Um, I'm not going to encourage anyone taking a negative four at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's, that's about to say. Don't take, I would not take a hit this early on. Agreed. Agreed. So just something to think about is, you know, each team's different. If you feel like you need to make a transfer or it would be better for your team set up in the long run, go ahead and make that transfer. Yeah. Well, Luke, how about we um, wrap it right here, and then we will be back for a more in-depth look of FPL going forward. That sounds great. All right. We will be back. And welcome back, everyone. Um, I think in this segment here, we're going to do a deep dive on the way in which specific players perform for FPL. So kind of take a look at those best performers see if we think those points are going to continue to come from these specific players um, and how that could impact your teams going forward. So yeah. I'm going to pass it on over to Paul, um, and he's going to kick us off here. All right, let's just dive right in the deep end. And we're going to talk about Head one first of, or feet first? Head first. All right, good. We're going to make minimal splash too. Is that so we can directly connect with people's brains? Yeah. And make a bigger, okay, yeah. cool. I like that. Good, good shout there. All right, so we're going to start with, like I said, one of my favorite teams, Chelsea. <laughs> and actually one of my probably favorite not one of my favorite players but a player that i really admire ben chilwell he looked great last week he was playing in essentially a left mid position for chelsea in there which honestly chelsea as a team last week looked pretty impressive against liverpool they Maybe. managed to hold their own against a liverpool team that kind of looked like they were recharged recharged and re-energized and this chelsea team like controlled the ball well they facilitated out of the midfield like enzo looked Honestly, probably the best he's looked in a Chelsea jersey. And Chilwell was a huge part of that width that he provides in the left to them. Essentially, it's Reese James checking in the back and then Chilwell going forward. Like it, it really seems like of those two assets from an FPL perspective that Chilwell is clear of him as of this time. We also know Reese James' injury history. Chilwell also has question marks himself, which we hope that doesn't happen. But, I mean, Chilwell had a goal called off in that little crazy run that Chelsea had in the second, in the end of the first half. And then he also had the, and it was, a, it was an assist, I think, right? Uh, who were we talking about? Chilwell. He had yeah, the, Chilwell he, had the header to, yeah. um, to uh, what's his name? Diossi. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be involved with stuff going forward. And yeah, what's his, do you have him pulled up right there? What's his ownership mm -hmm. rate right now? 
So right now his ownership is 16.1%. That has skyrocketed. Yeah. Um, he already has, let's see how many transfers in. Um, keep going and I'll tell you how many yeah. transfers so in he has. Basically one of the main things I consider, especially like from wing backs and attackers when looking for people in FPL, is how much of a focal point are they going to be of the attack that they participate in? And how much are they going to actually contribute to that? And Chilwell seems like he's going to be right at the front contributing with everything. And if you if you look at this Chelsea team, like when they get in Cuckoo back, which I'm not sure the timeline on him, I think maybe it's like three, four weeks, something like that. Like when Cuckoo gets back, they're going to be absolutely cooking up front. And Jackson, Jackson looks great. He looks like he's going to be a viable FPL asset going forward too. Like he really could be. Yep, I fully support both all those points there. Um, as we were talking about earlier, Chilwell has 232,000 transfers in so far for this that's, week. That's, that's and this is on. as of um, right after the Manchester United and Wolves match pretty much wrapped up. So it's early on in the week. He he will definitely rise at least once in price. I would not be shocked to see him rise twice um, before the next round of fixtures kick in. Yeah, totally agreed. But yeah, I think Chilwell is an asset that honestly seems like he should be a, should be a staple in our teams going forward. Because, I mean, if we look at the run that Chelsea have going forward, so next week they play West Ham and then Luton, Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth, Villa, Fulham, and Burnley. Like, that is a stupid run of fixtures for them going forward where I see goals everywhere in all those games. Like, the hardest matchup probably in there, which probably won't be the hardest matchup, but just thinking about it is probably Villa. And there's going to be goals in that game, too. (laughs) Yeah, there definitely will be. Five to Newcastle, which Newcastle is a different animal. But, like, there's going to be goals everywhere, and I think Joel is going to play a part in quite a few of those. So I would heavily consider him for everybody out there. Yeah, so would I. I'm pulling up the numbers right now. Um, But over this past game week, um, some teams to target, right? And so if we're looking at um, amount of XG allowed, right? Luton will <laughs> led the league with an XG conceded of 4.37. Lovely. They need to take care of that. Which is crazy. This is this information's on our Twitter account, so feel free to go look over there if you want to, you know, see the infographic along with this. But so we had all three promoted sides conceded an XG of higher than 2.28, which does not bode well for all three of them. Burnley was for mm-hmm. sure the side that I think looked the best, right, Paul? Do oh, you yeah. agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Luton might be a team for us to target whenever we're looking at FPL matchups, you know, possible going against Holland for captaincy. Um, so just kind of food for thought there to kind of build off your point. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to look at things. I think, Luke, early on, like when you look at attackers and just matchups, like teams you want to target to play against for an attacker, mm-hmm. that's a, I think that's a good way to go about things and a different way to look at it. Yeah, it is. You know, it's kind of just using that information out there that's yeah. very readily available, um, but just use it to your advantage and incorporate that into your decision-making process. You know, it works mm-hmm. for some people, doesn't work for others, but um, definitely n- good to know that it's there, right? Yeah. Um, so another FPL top performer that I want to highlight is that of Burt Leno. Mm. So he had a great week. He had a great week. He had 12 points, three bonus points, Um he had how many saves? Um, he had nine saves. 
right? That's crazy. Nine saves. So a well-deserved three bonus points. The XG that he faced was insane. He faced 2.73. Everton should have found the back of the net, honestly. It's Everton, Um, though. (laughs) That's a very good point. Very good point. Um, But he was an insane, insanely good person to have in your game week one team. I Mm -hmm. almost had him in a couple drafts, but I went with Pickford. Um, and that did not work out well for me. So bad call there. Uh, but definitely someone to target. If you're looking for a 4.5 goalkeeper, it, you know, he's a great asset. He performed insanely well last season. And it looks like he's just going to continue that form. Um, but do be warned in game week three, he plays Arsenal. And in game week four, um, Fulham play City. So some pretty difficult fixtures coming up. Um, something to keep an eye on. Maybe someone to wildcard into your team later on. I would completely agree, Luke. He's he's a really good option. So I actually have a controversial controversial take for you that we were kind of talking about in one of our group chats. I think Isak is still a viable FPL option over the next four weeks. I disagree. Here we go. This is fun. Okay, this, why do you think he's still a good asset? So I think if we've seen anything about Newcastle, if they continue their run of form from the end of last year and we obviously match week one, that they're going to concede goals, but I still think they're going to score. Like So their run of fixtures goes Man City, Liverpool, Brighton, Brentford, Sheffield, Burnley, West Ham. So basically those first four of Man City, Liverpool, Brighton, and Brentford are tough matchups. They're really tough, but I think we're going to see – I would if like Man City is a team you want to play earlier in the season because obviously they grow into a juggernaut the farther the season goes on like last year. I think Newcastle, if they're going to beat City over this over this phase of the seat, like over the whole season, this is the time. And they're, if they're going to score goals, I think Isak's going to be involved. It's going to be him or Wilson. And if you look at that attack, I mean, with Harvey Barnes is looking good, Almiron looks good, everybody in their midfield looks very solid. Their wingback situation is better. What do you think of Draco Malfoy though? <laughs> you mean the Roadrunner? <laughs> Yes, uh, Paul. Who are we referring to here? <laughs> who are we referring to? Um, what's his face? I don't Anthony know. Gordon. Anthony Gordon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry, I, I knew his name. I just couldn't think of it. Yeah, but yeah, I I just think that Newcastle is going to find a way to get goals over these games. I'm not saying I think they're going to beat Man City, which I'm saying they possibly could. This is the best time in the season for them too. Right. But even against Liverpool, I mean, like I think Liverpool is going to give up goals this year too. Oh, they for sure. Like are. we saw that against Chelsea. I mean, like they had a, they had that spurt where they gave up essentially two goals. One got called back in like two minutes. Yeah, like no, they're, they're very lackadaisical. They're playing such a high line, and if you push Trin up and invert him, if you're playing such a high line, there's no way you can actually get back in time, right? True. How can you expect him to push forward and then get back and fill in his for his defensive responsibilities? Yeah, you know. So I don't I don't know what to expect from him there, honestly. So. Yeah, but just for Newcastle, Isak is, if you're going to keep a Newcastle asset as an attacker, I think he's the one to keep. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I will push back, though. I don't think new with the variance of how these next four matches could go, especially the next three with City, Liverpool, and Brighton, I don't know if we know what to expect from Newcastle quite yet. I, I what my whole point is I think that the one thing win, loss, whatever, we can expect goals from Newcastle. Maybe, right? I just don't think I'm quite there yet myself. I don't That's know fine. if we we can fully expect that because I think Villa looked really bad 
right against Newcastle. They were playing a high line, and with Mings being out, they looked like they're in disarray. Like they that game know did it. shift whatever Mings went down. It yeah, really they they looked out of sorts big time. So my concern here is kind of wondering how Newcastle is going to go forward. Maybe against City at the Etihad, I think it's going to be a difficult matchup for them. Um, and you also have to worry a little bit about Wilson, Isak rotating a little bit, maybe Isak pushing out on the wing where he's not going to be quite the FPL asset necessarily that we're looking for, but he will get the minutes. Um, so as of now, for me, I just want to stay clear, but there's good differential potential there because I think a lot of people are wanting to steer clear of them for now. So No, that's, vi- that's viable criticisms, but I think if it's in the situation, I think more so the case if you already have them as SPL assets, maybe holding them and then getting through this rough stretch and then using them. Because, I mean, if you look at that run of fixtures, like I said, I mean, the Man City, Liverpool, Brighton, and Brentford are rough. But after that, it's Sheffield, Burnley, and West Ham. And there's going to be plenty of bountiful amount of goals there yeah no exactly so at that point i feel more than happy to go for their for their assets right i think you know planning out for those game weeks getting one or two attackers and maybe even trippier at his cost i for sure would if you have i would just hold it i would not bring one in at this point yeah no exactly yeah Yeah. if you have isak to be clear i think he's a good hold but in no way would i recommend going and actually transferring in any newcastle assets yeah valid, Um, valid 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 Yeah. Um, so I think those are some, that's a great shout there. Um, you know, depends on how you really see that. Maybe a little controversial, but I think it's just, it could be, it could be viable. Yes. Agreed. Um, okay. So the next asset that was one of the top performers that I think is really interesting, um, is James Madison. And I think we all, we all saw this coming. He was exceptional for Tottenham in the side that, you know, are attacking so much. He had an XA of 0.94 with a really low XG of 0.07. Um, but, you know, he ended up with two assists. He's going to be a main catalyst for this team. A lot of people went with Son, and, I mean, Son did not look like he was in great positions in the entirety of the match. He seemed really far out to me. And for the price point that you're paying for him, I feel like Madison or Richarlison is a lot better shout. I agree. But Son also did have one really good chance that he probably should have converted. So the whole discourse of that, I mean, could be different. Yeah, for me I personally. I wouldn't say it was a great chance, but it was a chance that he probably looks back on saying Yeah, he, he could have hit it better and snuck it past the keeper, I think. I agree. But if you look at his stats, right, and that's kind of always what I default to, mm-hmm. his XG was point zero eight with an XA of 0.05. So an XGI combined 0. 0.13. 0. 0.13, yeah. That's not good. For that price point, you do not want to be seeing that. And I think, you know, Postacoglu is going to have to do more to get him in those really good positions. Yeah, it's still maybe, early days. It's early days Maybe playing Spurs. Son as a striker. He has made statements about how, you know, he thinks that it's very possible that he could just be looking at playing Son as a striker. Um, so if that happens, I would be very intrigued to, to see that. Yeah, same here. Um, but back to Madison. You know, Madison was very progressive, you know, playing positions that FPL managers are going to see. He's taking set pieces. I think he had like six corners he took or so 
through the course of the match. I think they were, yeah, there's quite a bit. Um, but so Tottenham's upcoming fixtures, they have Man United next, and then three great fixtures of Bournemouth away, Burnley away, and then Sheffield at home. So those three, and then they play Arsenal and Liverpool, and then the fixtures get good again. So, I you know, if you don't have Madison in your team, someone to think about getting in probably game week three and just keeping him for, you know, I, you know quite a while. Yeah, no, I, I think Madison's going to be a locked-in part of a lot of people's teams for a majority of the season. Yeah, as I, long as Spurs stay in the goals and they're producing goals, he'll be a mainstay in people's teams. Yeah, his you know effective ownership could be really high by game week you know four. Honestly, by game week eight, I could see him being over 40, 50%. I would not be shocked at all. Mm-hmm. So like this um, next shout-out I have is not a player-centric thing, and it's more of a question to you and for us to kind of think about. But so we just sat there and we watched the United game, and Wolves put on a great performance. Yes, they, they did. honestly kind of got ripped off at the end of that game. But that's another conversation. If we're looking at Wolves as a team, who do you think would be an FPL asset to consider? Personally, um, I think if I were to go to any of their, I honestly, I think I'd go for a goalkeeper or defender. That's yeah. really kind of what I see because out yeah, of their the attackers. Sheets, I mean, so my, my thought process there was like they were getting forward and creating a lot of chances against the United team. And I'm not sure if it's Mirage just for the way United was set up. Cause as we talked about, it was the midfield situation with United. Like it was basically if Casemiro got beat, there was nobody else there and they were just running at United's defense. Yeah. And essentially, I mean, running at a back three, you know, cause yeah. the way they're invor- inverting fullbacks, they, <laughs> there were times where United were wide open with four Wolves players attacking three, mm-hmm. you know, with so much space too. But it's um, interesting. If you look at Cunha, he had an XG of 0.49 and an XA of 0.03, which somewhat, I mean, it could just be due to the matchup and all that stuff. But I mean, it's they're for sure an outside, like out of the box, like maybe low value idea. But I mean, that it it was a really impressive performance from Wolves and maybe something those FPL managers should keep an eye on if they grow into this as the season goes on. Yeah, my my thing here with Wolves that I would be looking for if I were to invest in a player, it would have to be someone really cheap for one, Um, someone who's going to enable a lot of things in my team who would probably be sitting on the bench for the majority of the time. Um, But two, I'd be looking for a really good run of fixtures, and I don't Mm -hmm. really see that in their fixtures, right? It seems very – it's a mixed bag. You know, like they have a good fixture, then a really tough one, let's say – play Bournemouth away, then they play Newcastle at home. And then they go play Spurs, and they play Fulham, and then they play Arsenal. So, like, Mm -hmm. I think there would have to be, uh, even if someone comes on and looks like a great option, I would still be heavily considering, you know, if I even want to go to Wolves in the first place. Yeah, that's very valid, dude. I think um, let's kind of bounce to a more viable FPL asset that I kind of want to discuss a little bit. Yeah, of course. So... Brian Mbwemo, he, so if we look at his stats, I'm going to throw some stats at you actually for once. Sounds good. Throw them my way. So he had an XG of 1.35 in that match. And dude, he, what was it? He scored a pen. There are Brentford, as we've seen last year, preseason, 
and also this year, they're going to score goals. They're going to be involved in goals. They're going to just make it happen. And, I mean, if we look at the run of fixtures, the next three games are Fulham, Crystal Palace, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Everton, and Nottingham Forest, essentially, over the next – those are the next six games. And everything besides Newcastle looks like looks like there could be good chances. And, I mean, Buemo's at 6.5. He's nailed on the pins. He's going to be involved up top as a midfield option. Like, I think he may be somebody to bring in whenever you have two transfers. Yeah, that that's a fair point. I think – I'm not someone who's been big on the Wemo fan train. You know, I just haven't really been able to commit to it because I'm a little, little iffy on Brentford still, even after that performance. Mm-hmm. But he he's a very viable asset, especially a 9.4% ownership. That's someone that if you get them in your team, you know he's locked on pins. That's been confirmed from game week one, um, even going back to preseason. With the run of fixtures, he's definitely someone you want to keep in your team. And if nothing else, because he's at 6.5, you can put him on your bench. And you're not too worried about having too much cash sitting yeah. out on the side. Um, he's a good low-budget option. Yeah, he is. He he is certainly that. There's, there's no question about that. There's a couple 6.5s that are actually really good options out there, and I think he's probably one of the better ones. Yeah, I I agree. Along with my boy Silly Marsh. <laughs> your guy. <laughs> that header Dude, what was a header. beautiful. Just floated over, redirected it back across mm-hmm. the keeper's body. It was a great header. My neighbors were not happy whenever that happened. <laughs> <laughs> like, get this guy out of here. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, but I like Mbomo. I think he's a very popular pick amongst, you know, those of the FPL community. Mm-hmm. And I expect to see his ownership continuing to rise. Um, you know, someone that we could briefly touch on here a little bit is Diaby, right? I think, you know, he was one of the few bright spots for Villa this weekend, seeing him mm-hmm. kind of, you know, get that opening goal, get it out of the way, kind of get some of that, um, you know, nervousness and butterflies out of the way with his opening goal for the club. It'll be really good for him. And I think Villa's performance against Newcastle, probably not something that we should necessarily predict for how they're going to perform going forward. No, I completely agree. I think they're a better side. Someone like pa- Pau Torres. I don't know if I'm saying that. Oh. <laughs> um, he's Spanish, I'm assuming. Uh, so I think they're going to be a lot better. And they have an incredible run of fixtures starting around um, game week eight, going all the way to game week 14. I mean, um, so, I mean, their fixtures, though, I mean, like, if you look at it, they're not crazy bad. I mean, it's from game week two, it's Everton. Burnley, Liverpool, which is more difficult, Crystal Palace, Chelsea, a little more difficult, and then Brighton. So, I mean, there's, I'd say, three really good matchups and three more difficult ones. So, I mean, like, if you just want to play the first two, you can. Yeah, that's kind of the way that I'm looking at it a little bit is see how Watkins performing, and then when, you know, game week three or four comes around, I might be looking at transferring him out. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll see how the FPL is shaking out at that point, but... Um, I don't want to be stuck on him if he's not getting getting in the goals. Yeah, no valid. Yeah. He looks like he's going to be exciting to watch in the Premier League, though. I think so. so I, yeah, I think he's going to be a great player for Villa. Diaby, for me, is more of a watch list player, like just seeing how he develops and mm-hmm. kind of keeping an eye on where And by the goes. time that really nice fixtures, that run of fixtures come around around game week eight, mm-hmm. we'll have a good idea of what to expect for him, um, where he's going to be playing, and if he really has some FPO value for us. So... Agreed. Around that time, definitely some players to look at from Villa. Um, but let's take a little break here, and then we'll come back and do a little anal- 
analysis on upcoming runs of fixtures and teams to possibly invest in. All right. Sounds good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back and we're going to do give you one little quick more segment and then we'll probably call it a night from there. But Luke, would you like to unveil to us your masterful work that you've been putting in? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll dive right into it. So what I did is I went through and found the top three teams that I think I would prefer to target um, and some FPL managers might prefer to target as well. So I went through fixture difficulty ratings, um, kind of saw the best run of fixtures coming up from game week two all the way up to game week six. And the top three teams that I think are going to be the best to look at are going to be Tottenham, Chelsea, and then also Manchester City. So um, let's break that down. Let's just go right through it. So for Spurs in game week three, um, they are playing Bournemouth, Burnley, Sheffield United, and then Arsenal. So game week six gets really difficult for them, but they have an amazing run of three fixtures here amongst, uh, you know, on yeah, three really kind of three sides that you aren't really sure what to expect from them week in, week out. I think like also another thing to consider too is match week two, they play United. Mm-hmm. And that may not be as tough of a matchup as we think it's going to be. Yeah, with the way that, you know, the From last match standpoint, they were very open at the back. Um, so, you know, maybe even getting these assets in for game week two would be excellent. You know, that's kind of up to it's in, a roll individual of the managers. Dice. It's a roll of the dice for yeah. sure, depending on how much risk you want to take. Yeah, and then some of the players that I'm looking at for this, right? I think James Madison is the best top, yep. top asset from Tottenham right now. He's an XGI of 1.01 with two assists, um, really put in good performances, right? Richarlison, someone good to take a pun on. You know, he had an XGI of 0.22, but, you know, in another another match, things should have got differently. Maybe he has two goals, right? Um, yeah, so. Yeah, okay. Uh, so next, the team that I think would be a good fit is that of Chelsea, this is not a major statement, no major rele- revelation here, but let's overview Chelsea's upcoming fixtures. So in game week three, Chelsea have Luton. Next, they play Forest in game week four. They have Bournemouth in game week five, and then they have Villa in game week six. Right, So that's a really nice run of fixtures. Um, a fair amount of those are at home as well at Stanford Bridge, and we all know that makes a huge difference. Um, whether you're playing away or at home. So when looking at that, I think there are some really good Chelsea assets that managers can look at to bring into their teams as well. Yeah. So we have Nicholas Jackson, you know, striker. Dude, he, he looked great. He looked really good. His hold-up play, the way he, you know, played. I, I think he has a really good connection with Mudrick, right? I think we, it seems like it. I mean, he, so that there was that preseason goal where they had that kind of you know mm-hmm. interplay amongst each other. Mudrick. There were a couple of moments home. when Mudrick subbed on where you're. Yeah, and they right? they had a really nice interplay too. So something to keep an eye on there. Um, but Jackson had an xgi of point five four, probably you know, in he probably should have scored honestly was the Agreed. chance that he had. I agree. You know, but it, it's okay. You know, he he looked really good, and that's kind of what we're looking for at this point in FPL. Yeah. The second player I want to highlight is that of Reese James. Reese James had an XG of 0.05, I believe, and an XA of 0.42. 
So I did an XGI of overall a 0.45, which compared to Chilwell, his XGI was 0.34. So Reese James was technically not in better positions, but playing better balls in that should, you know, eventually lead to goal scoring opportunities. So I, I, the numbers do not lie. I, he was more involved from a technical standpoint, but from a positional standpoint, we know Chilwell is going to be higher. Like you said, I think over the season, we'll probably see that Chilwell's XG will be higher and maybe Reese James XA will be higher. Does that make sense? No. I mean, Reese James doesn't have to play too far up. If he can just get on that right wing and play balls in, Mm -hmm. the way he hits the ball, he's going to put it almost exactly where he wants it with pace. Um, And that that is going to spike his XA there. So honestly, which is it's kind of crazy. You wouldn't expect this, but Reese James' ownership is higher than Chilwell. By the end of this week, I think that's going to be drastically different. I think yeah. Chilwell's going to be. I think be, that's just the knock-on effect from the last couple of years of. Yeah, his, his Chilwell's ownership should be higher than twenty above twenty percent. Yeah, and Reese James is currently sitting at seventeen point nine percent. So expect to see Chilwell be the higher owned asset by the end of this week. But I think Reese James is someone who could go under the radar. That if you want to maybe double up on Chelsea defense in this really nice run of fixtures, Reese James would be a great person to bring in. Yeah. Just be warned about his injury history. Yeah, there was the kind of like injury concern apparently at the end of the game, but I think from what I've heard is that that most likely was just him being tired. Yeah. And fatigue setting that, in, so let's hope it Hopefully that's hopefully what it was. You know, was we, just have to be aware of that, you know? Yeah, be careful there, but someone that could have enormous FPL potential if he's on the pitch. So, mm-hmm. The third and final team that I want to highlight here is Manchester City. So I know some people took a punt on Phil Foden. Almost everyone probably. Some people. <laughs> me. Some people. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. me, was it? <laughs> um, Look at yeah. us. Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought, right? But, you know. Anyone out there that was listening, probably Captain Holland. If not, you're probably going to captain this week after the way things went with him getting, you know, another haul. Once Watch again, twist. shockingly. Guess what Paul's doing this week? He better be captaining Holland. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I probably will. Even playing in Newcastle, you do still expect at least a goal from him. Um, and that effective ownership is terrifying if you get that decision wrong. It, um, it's terrifying, but... There may be a better option out there. Possibly. Um, okay, so let's go through City's fixture, upcoming fixtures. In game week three, they they play Sheffield United. Game week four, Fulham. Game week five, West Ham. And then game week six, Nottingham Forest. That's a really nice run of fixtures that, you know, I personally have Phil Foden in my team, and I don't think I want to transfer him out with these fixtures upcoming. Right. The it's only valid. the main thing that's going to make me transfer him out is if I get too scared of if he's going to play or not. So I feel really good about his X minutes at the moment, purely just because Bernardo Silva has been injured, KDB's been injured, um, and they have yet to bring in replacements for any right wingers. So at the moment, I feel good about it. That could easily change, um, but for now, I'm kind of standing steadfast with Foden. Do you think? Um where do you fall on Jack Grealish? He didn't play last match. They're playing Newcastle where Pep probably is going to put out a completely different team. Not completely, but he's probably going to put out a different outfit than he did last time for like different demands of the game. Jack Grealish may be a cheeky little shout to bring him in. I mean, he's at 7.5. 
it's a lot of money to pull out or to wait to use on him. But I mean, I, I think that's a that could be an interesting little differential choice right there. I personally see Jack Grealish as somewhat of a tease, frankly, because he he's he playing on one of the best attacking teams, but he plays out so wide, and I feel like he always has that pass that leads to the assist. Yeah, no, valid. Yep, that makes sense. You know, so someone for FPL that I'm not overly interested in, even if it's a good entry into City's team. But if he goes on a run of form for two or three weeks, I would definitely think about getting him in yeah. for that. Okay. Um, and okay, so one of the players that I really want to highlight from City is Julian Alvarez. He had, you know, looking at his performance, he didn't have the best match, seem a little kind of not off the pace, but a little rusty. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the best way to describe it, I think. But he did end up with an XG of 0.39 and an XA of 0.37 with a combined XGI of 0.76. So, I mean, really, you would expect him to get a goal contribution with those stats being Mm -hmm. in the Man City team, right? So if you have Alvarez, I would definitely advocate for just keeping him, especially with um, KDB going down with another hamstring issue. Alvarez is probably going to be locked in that starting 11, in my opinion. Yeah. You're not, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. So if I were to say move off Foden, I think it would incorporate two transfers of getting Alvarez in and then, you know, deciding that midfield role if I was going to. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, um, so just to review Foden's stats and then I'll dive into the last asset that I think would be great from City. Foden had an XG of 0.27 with an XA of 0.11, an overall XGI of 0.38. And, I was happy with the positions he was taking up in Manchester City's attack, but it didn't quite feel like he was overly threatening. So definitely something to keep an eye out for, but I still think Foden is prime for a great season and could be an excellent FPL option for owners out there. So, Sure. I believe I, I I think he has the ability to produce the goals. It just depends on how long he can stay in the team and if he can be a consistent performer for city yeah being the team consistently is my main concern if he's in the team i think the goal the goals and assists are going to come yeah yeah um so the last asset that i'm going to recommend from city is ederson mm, interesting take there Luke. so the reason why i think this is city have just brought in one of the top defenders in the world right one of the youngest top talents Gordiel. right so i think we can expect city's defense to you know even become more resolute than they were last season. And perhaps Ederson can possibly stop some, stop some shots. And like he did last year, I think last season his shot saving was questionable at best. I mean, you, the FBL community may be out for you, Luke. Ederson has hurt a lot of people over the years, and there is a large, a large portion of people that do not like Ederson as an FBL. He athlete. has, but I haven't gotten to my final point on him. Right. I think that Ederson could possibly end up with three or more assists this season with the way that city are playing unless teams adapt right and change how they're going to defend if Ederkin ederson can just sit on the ball the way he did against burnley and play the ball directly to holland with one defender on holland's back with everyone else clearing out holland's gonna win that wrestling match eight nine times out of ten you know depending mm-hmm. upon who he's up against yeah but i expect him to win that out and there are going to be times where defenders trip up over their feet and he ends up with an excellent situation for an assist, 
or maybe even a direct shot on goal. So I yeah. highly expect to see Ederson with, you know, some really possible big returns here. It's just if you can get to him with a price point. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to consider too, without the assist and everything, like you said, with the shot stopping, he probably is not going to be a big bonus point machine. It's probably going to go elsewhere in the city team. But I mean, if, if they're racking up the clean sheets, then that's, that's really all you can ask for. Even if he doesn't get the bonus points per se, I mean, he's if he contributes clean sheets and that's all that really matters and if he does an occasional assist every once in a while then that's just the cherry on top of the sunday you know yeah one of the best things about ederson that appeals a lot of fpl managers to him is you're pretty much know that he's going to be locked in the starting 11 you know he is the preferred keeper for pap to lean towards yeah no absolutely he's the um, nailed on starter for which ortega's really good right i'm not doubting how good he is but Ederson's going to be the go-to keeper and someone to really consider for FPL teams. You know, please caveat that don't be making a game week two transfer to Ederson. I don't think that's going to be worthwhile for your team, but Agreed. someone to keep an eye on when it comes around to whenever you want a wild card. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, anything else you want to highlight Luke or is that about, about it for us? Um, no, I think, you know, the final point I probably want to make for anyone out there is, you know, if you had a bad game week one, that's perfectly fine. Not a problem at all. There's 37 more game weeks to make up time. You have chips to use. Do not use them now. <laughs> you know, keep those in your back pocket. But um, there's plenty of time to make up ground. And, you know, don't be afraid to reach out. Ask us questions. Um, reach out to us on our Twitter. That'll probably be the best place for us to get back to you in a timely manner. But we are, you know, here to help out. So feel free to reach out to us. Yeah. Um, my final thoughts are... Please, 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 please do not take a hit this week. We hopefully everybody has their team set up to the point where we can at least get through the first couple of weeks without taking a hit and then reassess, bring it, use some use transfers instead of taking points hits because we this early in the season we just wanna keep the growth going forward. You know, we don't wanna have to take a step back. So yeah, agreed. I think me personally, I'm going to try to be very hit aversive this season. Yeah, me too. And avoid those if possible because in the long run, those negative points, they make a big difference. Yeah, especially when you have a week where you take like a negative 16 like I did last year. <laughs> that hurts big time. Big that time. was towards the end of the season though whenever it was kind of just like, you know what? Mm, screw it. <laughs> See what happens. Differentials right? everywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, um, everybody, once again, thank you for listening and we look forward to interacting with you about the podcast and any Premier League, soccer, honestly, anything out there. Just We're always here for discourse, for for conversation. So just, just let us know on any of our socials or in person. Just We're always here. Yep. You guys, feel free to reach out. Um, until next time, you guys, be good, and we'll yeah. talk to you guys soon. Yeah.